Hello and welcome to Ground Control to Major Mark, a Mama's Boy podcast hosted by me, Mark Shantos, the only Mark Shantos to ever be Sharon's favorite child. This is episode 7. The date today is May 10th, 2020. Mother's Day. If you're listening on Mother's Day, I hope you remembered it was Mother's Day. If not, give your mom a call anyway. She misses you. My mom and I were able to sit down and record this episode about a month ago. Whether you know my mom or not, definitely give this one a listen. It was such a fun time getting to sit down and fulfill her dream of being on a podcast, and it's such a good episode. My mom is easily the hardest worker I know, she's super wise, and my biggest supporter. That watch is really cool. Oh, thank you. Caroline bought it for me. That was very nice. That was. And it's a fossil watch, and it's has it given you any problem? No, the only fossil watches that have given me issues are the ones that I bought at, that outlet at the store. outlet store, because I think they're like refurbished or something. Yeah. Everybody, you can stop sending in your DMs. You can stop emailing me. I get people stop me on the streets. When are you going to have your mom on the podcast? They all want to meet Sharon, <laughs> the lady who has the most shout-outs on my podcast. Clearly the most mentioned person. I'm sitting with her right now. She's the mother of three kids who are so far still doing very well. She's a small business owner. Here she is. How are you doing today, Mom? I'm great. <laughs> and let me just tell you, Mark, that this is a dream come true. <laughs> Not only am I... <laughs> Visiting with my son, but I've always wanted to be on a podcast. I love podcasts. Wow. Yeah. And to be on a podcast truly is a dream come true. <laughs> I'm so happy that I could make that dream come true for you. You were the one that probably introduced me to podcasts. I watched you listen to so many, and here I am. I was telling you earlier today, maybe I would be famous for curing a disease or do some other great thing, but it turns out I just made a podcast. <laughs> I am so happy. You must be so proud. I am very proud. And we really should give a shout out to uh, Cheyenne, your sister, for introducing me to podcasts. I don't think that when she introduced me to podcasts that she really understood the impact that it would have in my life. And really anybody who's listening to this podcast and knows me, the first question that I ask, maybe not the first question, but it's up in the top five questions. What podcast is your favorite podcast? podcast or what podcasts do you listen to and then we we compare our library and what do you say to people when they say that they don't listen to podcasts i just really shake my head in disappointment (laughs) (laughs) all right (laughs) this is the mother's day special we're recording this about a month before mother's day but this is the mother's day special as i was writing these questions i got curious about the history of mother's day turns out it was started by this Lady Anna, I think her name is Anna Reeves Jarvis. She like dedicated a large portion of her life to having this movement towards um, having Mother's Day. And then her daughter, who's also named Anna Jarvis, dedicated a large portion of her life to make Mother's Day a national holiday. And in 1908, they finally did. 10 years went by or something like that with relative silence. And then she saw that everybody was commercializing Mother's Day. And so the founder of Mother's Day actually spent the rest of her life trying to like kind of get rid of it. Companies were like taking advantage of it and stuff in her eyes. I did not know that. Yeah, isn't that kind of interesting? That is very interesting. And it's not like, I don't think it's a very overly commercialized holiday. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I think, like, you get some flowers and stuff, but... Yeah, not like Valentine's Day. Yeah, exactly. It could be a lot worse. So, yeah. what we've done today is I've set up an interview 
to ask my mom a few questions and then she prepared a few questions which we'll get into later. Some of these are going to be fitting the theme of the podcast and they'll be centralized about what it's like to be a mom. My first question is, did you always know that you wanted to be a mother? Yeah, yes, I did. Yeah. Your whole life? Well, I think I got married young. I was only 22 when I got married and I think that Andy and I always wanted to have children and so yeah, we did have difficulty having children and so it wasn't until after I was 30 until we were able to have children and in fact we started adoption processes uh, before your sister was born. I honestly thought we were going to adopt children and we ended up having three children biologically. Yeah, that's crazy and not only that but we're all two years apart. Right. Like, you know, once you started having kids. Yeah. We weren't even really trying at that point. It just happened that you guys were two years apart. Looking back on your years of being a mother, what is your single best mom moment? Well, I can tell you what it wasn't. I remember being so tired when we lived in North Platte that all I wanted to do was go out to eat. And your dad was working at the hospital and he didn't have time to come home. And so I decided to take the three of you to Valentino's and you were two, four, and six. By the time I got all of your meals from the buffet and sat you down, you were ready to eat. Well, then I went back to get my food. By the time I sat down to eat, all three of you had finished eating. (laughs) So I was trying to enjoy my meal. You and Jack took off your shoes and your socks and you decided to run around the salad bar screaming. (laughs) And so I just packed up everything, took Cheyenne's hand, walked out the door, put her in the car. Initially, I had tried chasing you around the salad bar and I realized (laughs) that was not going to work. And so I put Cheyenne in the car and fortunately, you guys followed into the parking lot. So that was a low, low point in my, my motherhood. I think high points have been, you know, when you guys graduated from high school and mm-hmm. when you reached milestones. I, you know, specifically, Mark, for you, I remember uh, taking you to many, many swim meets. I don't know if you remember this, but we were at a swim meet somewhere in the middle of South Dakota. I was so happy just to watch you swim. <laughs> and um, I remember you coming up to the bleachers and asking me how my day was going. And I said, Mark, I could watch you swim all day long. Yeah. I think that a lot of parents could. Uh, relate to that. Yeah, I think I remember that. That might have been in Mitchell, yeah, South Dakota or something like that. But yeah, I remember that was a really good conversation. Every like few months we have a really good talk about like life and stuff. Yeah. And that was definitely one of them. Do you have a scariest moment as a mother? I can certainly think of more than one example. (laughs) You go ahead. There was when dad and I were out of town and Jack ran away. Oh yeah, you're right. That was the scariest moment. So you and dad went out of town. Cheyenne was in school. We had this lovely woman. Her name was Bridget. She would help me clean the house. And our house was pretty big in Nebraska. So she would start on one end of the house and I would start on the other. And Jack loved to kind of follow Bridget along. And he and Bridget were close. And so I didn't notice Jack, but that didn't concern me because I thought he was with Bridget. Bridget probably thought he was with me. He was not even two years old, just under two years old. But the day before 
before that particular day we got a new cat. Retrospect, Jack had crawled out the doggy door. The cat had crawled out the doggy door. Jack had followed him, but we didn't know that. Bridget and I could not find Jack anywhere in the house. We called 911. We had, I believe there were seven or ten sheriff's officers that came to the house. And we lived in a subdivision outside of North Platte. And I called all the neighbors. I called friends. We probably had 30 or 40 people that were looking for him. Wow, a whole rescue team. Yeah, I was methodically calling our neighbors. We had a neighborhood telephone list, and I was methodically calling them and leaving them messages. As soon as people would get the message, they would go out in their yard and look. And thankfully, one of the neighbors had been shopping, and she had unloaded her boys, I think, and loaded her groceries. She got the message. She looked out, and they had a big evergreen tree where the branches came down to the ground, and Jack was there next to that tree. Our cat was under the tree. He had followed that cat and it was probably a third of a mile away from our house it was a long ways away but while that was happening the sheriff's office told me that they were going to issue an amber alert i had kept it kind of calm and not real real calm but i wasn't sobbing or anything as soon as they said that i started sobbing that's serious yeah right as they said that here comes the neighbor with jack what a sense of relief that was even though you found out that it was because he was following the cat that certainly didn't deter you from allowing your children to have just about any pets that they wanted. (laughs) What are some of kind of the weirdest pets that we had and what was your mentality on that? You know, you guys were pretty good about taking care of your pets, especially Jack was very good about taking care of his pets. We had dogs, we had cats, we had birds, but they were too loud. But then we started collecting this extensive amphibian collection. (laughs) We had salamanders, we had newts, we had turtles like baby turtles we had tortoises do you remember what else we had it probably got even weirder at dad's house because he let us have chickens and a catfish yeah didn't you guys keep a catfish in the tub mm-hmm. yeah we were allowed to have some weird stuff and it was your mentality just like as long as we take care of it yeah i and mean as long as it's not a snake yeah no snakes. <laughs> so let's go back a ways talk a little bit about your childhood and what was your own mom like Well, my mom, Elaine, she herself was an orphan. Her dad was killed in a farming accident. And when mother was 10 and her sisters were, I believe, six and four, their mother died of scarlet fever. And so they were living in Sturgis and they were moved across the state and lived in an orphanage slash nursing home. It was called the Oddfellows Home in Del Rapids, South Dakota. And so they would have these young children and then these old people living together under one roof. And My mom didn't really have that mother figure in her life except for the people who worked at that Oddfellows home. And so when she was a young mother, I think she kind of struggled with cooking and with some of the kind of domestic duties. By the time I came along, I'm 19 years younger than my brother and 15 years younger than my sister. So Mm -hmm. I was kind of an accident, you might say. (laughs) And my mom and dad really, they were in their 40s and 50s when they were raising me and they had really chilled 
out. They were pretty lenient with me. And not that I was a bad kid. I was essentially an only child because I was living there with older parents. Yeah. And they kind of treated me like an adult. They would bring me to all of their friends, you know, when they went on trips with their friends. And their friends, their children had grown up already. So it was always me and a bunch of adults. So I felt like I kind of lived in this adult world. My mom was always really quiet. It was my dad who was more gregarious, as you know. And so I was kind of a daddy's girl, but my mom was fiercely loyal to her kids. And I always felt like she had my back. I knew I could always depend on my mom. That's awesome. Yeah. Would you say your childhood was at all unconventional? Because you were around so many adults, were you super outgoing and like able to talk to adults more than other kids? Probably. Yeah, I had no problem talking to adults. I mean, I lived on a farm. I didn't see my friends every day, but I did have really, really good friends that lived close enough where I could ride my bike or eventually I had a little motorcycle that I would ride my motorcycle to their house or my sister, eventually she became married and she had children of her own who are closer to my age than I am to her. And so I would hang out with my niece and nephew and I really had kind of the ideal childhood, I would say. Yeah. 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 It sounds pretty good. Yeah. It was awesome. So then a little bit past that, what were you like at my age in your early 20s what were you like well of all three of my children mark i think that we're the most similar <laughs> so in high school i got the idea in my head that i did not want to go to school at sdsu because it was way too close to home and there was really nothing at usd that i was interested in and one of our friend's sons said sharon you should think about engineering and he had graduated from south dakota school of mines and technology and i never thought about engineering and honestly i had no idea what engineers did but it sounded fun to live in Rapid City. I loved Rapid City. So I went out there really not knowing what I was getting myself into. But it was really, I think, during college where I really blossomed. I was kind of shy and quiet when I was in K through 12. But in college, I really kind of blossomed. My friends and I started the first sorority out there. We were the second chapter of Alpha Omega Epsilon, which is a sorority for engineering, science, and architecture majors. I was the president of AICHE, which is the chemical engineering association, student association vice president. But the problem with that was I probably did a little bit too much extracurricular activities and not enough studying. (laughs) So I kind of struggled with my grades a little bit. It wasn't until really my junior and senior year I got in the groove of studying. You were really involved with extracurriculars, but kind of put school and stuff on the back burner a little (laughs) bit. Sometimes, sometimes, yeah. Sure. From your college life till now, can you lay out a little bit of what happened and how eventually Sage started and you got into where you are now, just more like work related? Oh, sure. When I graduated from college, I thought I would be working as an engineer until I retired. I would be an engineer from my early 20s until my 60s. I don't think I'm unique. Life happens and you have to adjust your career around what life is throwing at you at that moment. So I ended up working for Amico, which was an awesome career in the oil and gas field for 12 years. They shut down the Denver office and your dad was getting his medical degree and he was doing his residency in surgery and he was looking for a job and at that time 
we decided that it would be best if I stayed home with kids and raised kids while he pursued his surgical career. And at that time, my last day at Amico was on a Friday and you were born like on a Monday or Tuesday. So you were born only three or four days after my last day at Amico. Wow. And then we moved to Nebraska. Then Jack was born. And then I started consulting. And that was something that I could do while I was raising kids. And then I could also do that on the side. And then there was this group of women who were professionals who were kind of in the same situation that I was in, where they worked. And then they kind of set their careers aside to raise children. Another woman in this neighborhood started a grant writing business, and that's how I got into grant writing. So I started consulting and writing grants for nonprofits and universities, community colleges and hospitals. I really loved that. I never thought I would, but I really did. And then when we moved to Sioux Falls, I ended up working for Poet and helped them with their grants and managing their grants. And I was their research operations manager. Then I left Poet. And that is about the time that your dad and I got divorced. And I was at this juncture. This was before Obamacare. And this was a very stressful time for me because I had to decide how to get health care insurance. Because while I was working at Poet, I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. And and at that time, you were not able to get health care insurance with a pre-existing condition. And so I was really kind of stuck. Do I get a job somewhere else? And where do I get a job? And your dad was traveling quite a bit with AirGuard. So it wasn't like we could split child care responsibilities. You guys lived with me full time. So I was trying to imagine how could I get health care insurance plus raise three kids who couldn't drive yet and take care of the house and all the other responsibilities that parenthood has, I turned back to consulting. And fortunately, a lifelong dear friend and my now my business partner for 10 years, Rachel Ullman, and I decided to start Sage Project Consultants in 2010. And her mother joined us, Leslie, and she has now been our office manager. And we were able to get group health care insurance between Leslie and my Myself and Rachel and I have been on that group health insurance ever since then and I'm really glad because since then I've had breast cancer I've had other major medical problems and without that health care insurance I would have gone bankrupt so I didn't envision myself as a small business owner when I was your age mark but <laughs> here I am and we now have seven people in our organization and we have a ton of great contracts a lot of great clients and I couldn't be more proud of the work that Rachel and I have done together and our team, Ben, Cheyenne, Tegan, Carol, Leslie, I think we're a dynamite team and, and I'm really, really proud of them. Oh yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. And that's really interesting. I didn't know a lot of how Sage was started because it had to. Yeah, I had to have health care insurance, and so I had to find a career. Do you think if SAGE was a passion project rather than something that had to succeed, it would have done worse? Like, do you think that it was the stress and the fact that you needed it to happen that made it so successful? Well, I think I approached the business different. Before I went to work for Poet, and I was a consultant, I did it more because I wanted something meaningful to do, but I didn't approach the business side probably as rigorously as I should should have. You know, I was getting healthcare benefits from my husband. My husband was making a good income. I wouldn't call it a hobby business, but I didn't take the business as seriously as I did once I was single. Mm -hmm. And then once I was single, and especially when we started hiring 
employees. Rachel and I saw the business much more seriously and how we write our contracts, how do we do our invoicing and billing, kind of all that back office work that Leslie does so proficiently. We didn't have Leslie at first. We're managing the business more like true small business owners should and not just like something that you would do as a hobby. The thing that happens when you're a grant writer is that everybody, once they find out you're a grant writer, they ask you to write them, you know, oh, I rescued Siberian Huskies. Can you write (laughs) a grant for my Siberian Husky Foundation? So I tell them what I charge and they're like, oh, well, I was hoping you would do that for free. Right. You can't do everything. You can't do everything for free. It's just like if you owned a bakery, you can't give all of your baked goods away for free. Mm -hmm. You'd go out of business. And so we really had to draw the line in the sand with people that we met and we had to establish ourselves as credible business owners and professionals Mm -hmm. uh, right away. In order to gain that credibility early on, were you trying to get some big projects? Well, yes. What we did is we started off with some smaller projects. You know, ironically, we had just come from the renewable energy field. I came out of Poet first, and then she did a year later. But at that time, ethanol and renewable energy projects were still very popular. We ended up writing a lot of USDA projects. But then once that cycle went away, we picked up another cycle, which was more in the area of public health and social services. It was about 2014-15 that we started doing more and more work with the state of South Dakota, particularly the Department of Health. In this state, and and again, I don't think this is unique to South Dakota, but once you do well with one contract, it's word of mouth. Oh, Sage did really well on this contract. Yeah, that makes sense. Rachel is really talented at making our reports look sexy and readable. (laughs) And I'm better at the content and, you know, doing interviews and focus groups and surveys and doing the analysis at that where she's better at the writing uh, and making the report like polished and now Ben is super good at that and we've trained now Cheyenne and Tegan and Carol to do the same. Not only are we proud of the work that we do in order to get the data whether it be through strategic planning or grant writing or program evaluation but our reports are really polished and look good and hopefully we'll move organizations from their current state to, you know, a better state than they're at right now. Yeah, that's awesome. Do you miss anything about being an engineer or do you like where you're at? And on top of that, do you feel like your background as an engineer rather than maybe, I don't know, like an English student or something um, helps in what you're doing? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm a big proponent, as you know, Mark, for engineering. (laughs) I always say this, for those people that know me have probably heard me say this, but I think that there are three professional careers engineering, education, and nursing. I think if you get a bachelor's degree in any one of those three fields, you can pivot your career and do almost anything. You know, and if you want, like Rachel is a science major, she's got a biology major, and then she got an MBA on top of that. I'm an engineering major, I'm getting my master's in program evaluation. With those three backgrounds, you can do a lot of things in your career. Engineering opens up many, many, many doors for me. And I miss engineering. I wish I would have stayed with it. But again, life circumstances did not allow me to do that. If I could go back 15 years and stay in engineering, 
I think I would have done that, but boy, I'm really happy with all the experiences that I've had with Sage. Yeah, it's absolutely very unique. And now you can live <laughs> vicariously through Jack and I, who are yeah. in engineering school. So as this was all going on, you were raising three kids. Tell me maybe what the difference was in raising us when we were very young versus elementary school versus high school versus now. I think each mother has their favorite or best times when they're a good mother. When the three of you were little, that was probably my worst time. (laughs) I was not a good baby or a little toddler mom. Mm -hmm. I thought, I found it really exhausting. I mean, I loved you, the three of you with all my heart, but wow, you guys were a ton of work. And I think it's because you were so close to each other. You know, you were zero and two and four. You guys were a lot of work. And, And I ended up babysitting kids you know we would trade babysitting like with the ash offs and it wasn't just three kids it was six kids and then Lori would have six kids and you know just to get some relief I thought it was fun in the elementary school age you know kind of watching you guys mature and learn but I think that my favorite years are probably yet to come I think I love being a mother more and more and more as you guys grow older. And it's because when you're little, Mark, when you were like four or five and six years old, sometimes you think, and and you don't want to speed up time, but sometimes moms and dads think, God, I wonder what he's going to be when you grow up. And now you're grown up. I see what you mean. Was it scary looking at us back then, like wondering how your parenting choices were going to influence how we end up and you were nervous about the results? And now, I mean, like I pretty much am who I am am at this point yeah is it do you just mean in that sense well yeah a little bit I mean I think that like all siblings um the three of you are very very different from each other and I thought what are they going to what are they going to be when they grow up I mean are they going to be you know engineers are they going to be teachers are they going to where are they going to go in life and are they going to be happy and I think that all working mothers and all you know really not only mothers but parents think can I work you know, can I have a full-time career and be a good parent at the same time? And sometimes you feel like you're doing a half-assed job. Mm-hmm. And what you find out is that, you know, you just try to be there as much as you can be and be there at important times. And you need to learn to stop and drop whatever you're doing if your kid needs you. And fortunately, I think I was able to do that. I mean, it was hard with your dad being gone a lot when he was overseas and he wasn't living with us, you know, that you didn't have two parents. And sometimes I felt like, oh, enough for these three kids. Fortunately, your dad was in town, and so it didn't feel so bad. But I think particularly working, and especially in the job that I had where I had to travel quite a bit, there were times where I left you guys by yourself. Like when you were in high school, I would go out to Rapid City for a couple of days, and you would be on your own. You know, Cheyenne was in charge, and I was just hoping she wasn't going to kill you and Jack. (laughs) So there were times that I felt like stressed out and nervous about that. Yeah, and we were a piece of work for Cheyenne sometimes, but I think that we got like an early sense of independence from that. And maybe that wasn't your intention. But on the other hand, you could have been a helicopter parent, which I'm of the opinion is worse. I appreciate the way that I was raised personally. What do you miss most about having little kids? Well, (laughs) honestly, I'm glad I don't have little kids anymore. (laughs) 
But I am looking forward, not too soon, but someday I'm looking forward to having grandchildren because I think it would be fun to have grandkids and to spoil them. But I thought, you know, if I was married, would I uh, consider being like a foster parent? I think I would consider being a foster parent because of the impact that you can make on a child's life. But as a single person who travels with their job, that's just not a feasible thing to do. Yeah. But I really admire foster parents. Sure. And if I were to do it all over again, that's something that I wish I could do. This is your first almost full year. This month will make it your first full year of having all adult children. What's the best part of that? Well, I thought I would be lonely being in the house by myself, but I have found that I am not. And you know why, Mark? Why is that? Because of podcasts. <laughs> wow. I love podcasts. Wow. They and keep me company. What's your favorite podcast? Well, my favorite podcast is My Favorite Murder, but I also like This American Life. Was it weird to see Cheyenne get married? It was weird to see Cheyenne get married, but boy, I'm really glad that she got married because uh, she would not be holding up with this COVID-19 mm-hmm. by herself if very well. If she had well. to be alone. Yeah, and I don't blame her. And I think Cheyenne is good for Jeff, and I think that Jeff is really good for Cheyenne. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and we we'll, love Jeff. And they'll be on the podcast. Oh, yeah. Cheyenne definitely good. will. This is me publicly saying that Jeff has an obligation to be. <laughs> so you've had not the easiest time being a mom. You've definitely had stressful years. You've been through times where I'm sure like there was no you time. like It was either your work or your kids, and that was it. What advice would you give to mothers around the world who maybe feel like they don't have it the easiest or maybe they do have it easy, but they're just looking for advice in general? I think that my advice to moms, you know, looking back, and I know this is advice that many people give, is really to just take it one day at a time and enjoy you know, look for the positive and, and enjoy your kids where they're at and meet them where they're at right now and not to try to make time go too fast. You know, like, oh, I wish the school year was over. I wish they could buckle their seatbelt by themselves or I wish they weren't in diapers anymore mm-hmm. because those times will pass. And I know, you know, it seems really, really hard right now, but this too shall pass. And when you look back, it's easier to think about the happier times and about, you know, the joyful times. Mm-hmm. And then when they're gone, you really, really do miss them. It's a lot easier now than when I went away. You know, I would call my mom and dad once a week. We didn't have texting. We didn't have right, yeah. FaceTime. We didn't have the iPhone. We didn't have cell phones. And so it's a lot easier to, you know, be connected to your grown children than it was when I was yeah, your age. That makes sense. Was there a point where... You know, like one second you have to buckle our seatbelts for us and essentially do everything for us. Was there a point for the first time maybe Cheyenne, because she's the oldest, like said something that you were like, wow, that was really intelligent. (laughs) Like That was insane that you are this grown up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wish I could think of a moment, but I can't think of what that moment is right now. But yeah. What are you most excited about in the upcoming years? Other than down the road, like a while, as you talk about maybe being a grandmother. But other than that, um, you have three kids in college right now. One of them's working for you. And then there's some pretty big changes coming. What are you excited for in all that? 
There was a point last year that I thought maybe I would hang up my consulting hat and go to work, you know, for a university or maybe somebody else, um, you know, either a public firm or a private firm. And I recommitted myself to Sage and decided to hang in there with Rachel. And now I'm super excited. I think that honestly what happened to me was that I got burned out. When you're in a job too long, and you don't get enough breaks and you don't take vacations and you're working, you know, 16 hour days, you get burned out and you need to recognize that in yourself and be able to balance that. And I did not in 2019 do a good job of that. And so I think by the end of the year, I was burned out. So looking forward, I've reconciled that and I'm excited to be back with Sage. I have this uh, really awesome opportunity to be an interim foundation president for South Dakota School of Mines and Technology. And of course, you know, I am very passionate about that university. <laughs> yeah. And uh, in fact, when my kids were little, I told them if they would go to School of Mines, I would buy them a car, <laughs> bribed them, and only one of them went, but that's okay. So I'm looking forward to continuing working with Sage and, you know, just really kind of spending time watching you guys, you know, mature in your relationships and with your uh, job and your career and in your hobbies and activities and your passions. It's really fun to, you know, watch your grown children grow and develop. Sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's super fun. Well, Mom, I am also very excited for the future and what's to come. With your job, you've done plenty of interviews, meetings, and you are just super good at conducting this style of conversation that I'm talking to you right now. So I'm very excited to announce that the episode right after this is going to be the first episode of <laughs> Ground Control to Major Sharon, <laughs> where my mom will be interviewing me. So we're going to get to recording that, but for now, Mom, thank you for coming on the Mother's Day special of Ground Control to Major Mark. It's been so good having you here. Thank you, Mark. I have loved this so much. You don't <laughs> even know. <laughs> I love you, Mom. I love you. We will talk now, but for them, it'll be next episode. <laughs> All right, see ya. Thank you so much for tuning in and being part of Ground Control. If you enjoyed this episode, you can follow me on Twitter at Major underscore Mark for updates on upcoming interviews, episodes, and more. My podcast recommendation for today is, of course, my mom's favorite podcast, My Favorite Murder. I'll see you next episode, but in the meantime, call your mom. <laughs>